Hey guys, it's Savvy Savs, and I have a special guest with me today. His name is Ryan Knight. He's an activist, and he's the host of Amped Up Podcast. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, cool. So before we get started and dive into questions, can you tell everybody just a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I, my name is Ryan Knight. I am a, uh, a socialist and an activist, and I am the host uh, of the podcast Amped Up with Ryan Knight uh, that you can get on all, you know, every major uh, podcast platform. Uh, and, you know, I, um, I've been in politics, you know, I've been in the grassroots side of politics for maybe three years. Uh, my entrance into politics, actually, though, was about a decade ago. I worked in local politics. I worked for the former mayor of West Hollywood and I helped him get elected. I managed his campaign. And then he also ran for a higher office, which is a, a county supervisor uh, for Los Angeles County. And I also uh, managed uh, his campaign for that. Uh, and uh, you know, when Trump got elected, I realized that I needed to get involved in a bigger way than just on a local level. And I got involved on a more national level and helped plan uh, a march in, in 2017, uh, the resist march. And uh, what ended up happening is, you know, I, I'm a lifelong Democrat. And after kind of working for the establishment in my younger years, I kind of realized that establishment politics aren't getting to the root of the problem, uh, which is, you know, our decrepit capitalist system, you know, and, and that both parties in Washington uh, do everything they can to preserve and maintain and protect. And, uh, you know, so right after Trump got elected, I'd probably, if you would ask me, you know, what's the problem in America, I would, and, you know, if we're in 2016 or early 2017, I'd be like, Donald Trump's the problem. But very quickly after he was elected, I, I kind of figured out that, along with many others, that no, you know, Trump is a symptom of the problem. And, and, and he's just, he's a symptom of a corrupt system that continues to put the endless greed of the, of, of the ruling class and of the billionaire class uh, over the basic needs of the people. And, you know, no matter which party you put in charge, uh, the corrupt system is what they're in charge of essentially, right? And so you can put a blue face on it, but it doesn't change the fact that sure, Trump is gone now, but we still live in an oligarchy. We still have a decrepit capitalist system which continues to funnel more and more wealth uh, up to the billionaire class while the working class and the poor uh, can't get a break and income inequality keeps getting you know, wider and wider. Uh, and so the systemic problems that led to Trump are still very much alive and well. And then we had the pandemic, which just magnified all of those problems. Uh, and I think a lot of people, it's easy to forget that before the pandemic, we had 140 million Americans who were either poor or low income. We had 92 million Americans who were underinsured or uninsured. And when you look at things like the black white wealth gap and then you start to bring in the racial injustice component it the, the black white wealth gap is as wide today in america as it was back in 1968 in the civil rights movement so these deep injustices in our system that disproportionately affect black and brown people it is a crisis and and while the Democrats maybe provide better lip service to the problem, they're not tackling the roots of the problem. They're not fighting for policies that will actually improve the material conditions of the people, and especially black and brown people. And so, uh, and I know we'll get into that. Sorry, you just asked for an intro, but that's kind of where in the last kind of four years, 
I kind of shifted away from the establishment side of politics, realizing that it was a part of the problem. I was a part of the problem because I was working, you know, at a time for establishment politicians. And that if we're ever going to have real change in this society, true fundamental change that will shift uh, the way society operates. So the poor and the working class and communities of color aren't being exploited. That is going to take an entire shift in our politics. And that shift isn't going to happen if you're supporting the two establishment parties that profit off this corrupt system. So that's kind of the awakening. While liberals were just screaming, vote blue no matter who, I was like, oh, maybe that was me in 2016. But I kind of started to realize, you know, even during this last election in 2020, that like, if only we could just vote blue and all of our problems would go away. If only it was that simple. And, and I'm not saying, you know, obviously the Republicans are a little worse, but in many ways, the Democrats, uh, they kind of deceive the people and they, they, they kind of sedate the people with these platitudes of hope and change. Meanwhile, they're governing for Wall Street giant corporations and the ruling class, just like the Republicans are. And so it's like that, that kind of deceit for, of the people when they say they're on our side, but then they're actually governing just like Republicans do. It, it kind of stops any real shift in our nation to the left, to justice, to dignity, uh, to economic equality, to racial justice. And so that was kind of my big epiphany in the last two years is it's kind of the Democrats that poses our allies, but they're really standing in the way of progress, just like the Republicans. Agreed. So Ryan, like a lot of times people will confuse the terms. They'll confuse liberal with progressive and with like socialism as if we're all one thing, but we're, we're not. Uh, can you explain to people what is what is the difference between those terms? Yeah, and I think this is one of the ways that the corporate media, as well as the corporate politicians in both parties, uh, kind of control uh, and maintain this decrepit capitalist system. Because, you know, I don't know if, if anyone watches CNN or MSNBC, uh, that tend to you know, swing more liberal, whereas Fox News swings more conservative. But one thing you'll notice if you're even watching CNN or MSNBC is they act like the political spectrum ends at liberal, right? And they act like liberal means left. When in reality, when you look at just the actual political spectrum and you look at the world and you look at European nations and you look at our neighbor up to the North, Canada, liberal is not the left. Liberalism is a center-right capitalist ideology. It believes in allowing the, the market to handle everything. And what we're seeing is the markets are rigged by the very politicians uh, who say they're going to represent the people, but they actually represent Wall Street. And they, and they write legislation. They write laws that favor the ruling class and favor Wall Street and, and are rigged against the working class and the poor. Uh, and disproportionately communities of color. And so that, that is one of the great myths. Liberal does not mean left. What, what left means, left is socialism. Left means, you know, everyone in the country having guaranteed healthcare. Left means the workers, the people uh, own the means of production and control the resources in a society. Uh, Left means that there is no billionaires because it means that, that the wealth is distributed more equally. And, 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 and leftism, so, socialism, means that, that there is no exploitation. So what a lot of people don't realize is, is sometimes in our society, we conflate capitalism and democracy. 
And what I would argue is that capital, capitalism is actually antithetical to democracy because capitalism concentrates the majority of the wealth in our society and in any society in the hands of a few by exploiting the labor of the many. And so it's really a system of exploitation. You know, the billionaire class, Jeff Bezos, he made $13 billion one day during the pandemic. While the working class and poor, we, you know, can barely keep their heads above water and nobody makes a billion dollars. He makes that money by exploiting the, and he makes that money off the backs of the working class. And then he goes around and doesn't even pay for all his employees' healthcare. And he, and he fights back against Amazon workers who, are, who try to unionize uh, as they're doing right now in, in Alabama, which is fantastic, uh, which is, a, which is in a, there's a town in Alabama, they're fighting for a, a union right now. Uh, which, and it's an 80%, uh, it's 80 of the workforce is black and it's fantastic. But again, someone like Jeff Bezos, who's the richest man in the world, or he goes back and forth now with Elon Musk, his company, Amazon, fights against giving workers protection and a living wage and health care. And so we, in this decrepit system, the people have to come together just to fight for basic rights. And so, you know, while, while, what I would argue is, is while capitalism is antithetical to democracy because it's resulted in the majority of the wealth in our society to be just in the hands of a few, and I can even give people a few stats. Right now in America, just three billionaires, three, there we go, three, own more wealth than half of our entire nation. And if you look worldwide, there's 2,153 billionaires in the world right now, and they hold more wealth than 60% of the world's population. That is 4.5 billion people. 2,000 people have more wealth than 4.5 billion people. This is a system that is unsustainable. We are in what's called late stage capitalism, where for the last century, they, these rich oligarchs and governments have demonized socialism, demonized communism, demonized any leftist ideology that would, that would put power back into the hands of the people and into the hands of the working class because they understand that this capitalist system just concentrates more and more wealth into the hands of the ruling class. And one thing I think that gets missed very easily because what Republicans try to do is they try to, they try to equate socialism with like, oh, that means the government does stuff. No, 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 that's actually not what socialism means. True socialism means that the people of the world, the people of a nation own the means of production and the resources of that nation, not the billionaire class. That's what socialism is. It is, a, it is, a, it is an economy that it's rooted in, in the people having control. So essentially you would own a small piece of your work just like everyone else that you worked with would instead of you know, a handful of billionaires owning you know, the, the biggest corporations uh, and just concentrating more and more power up there. And so that the last century, what we've seen is, is just a consolidation of wealth with the billionaire class while we've seen, especially in the last half century, the poor and the working class just keep getting poorer and poorer. And like I said at the start of the show, disproportionately black, that affects black and brown people even disproportionately. And so that is why we've got to get away from this kind of predatory economic system and move to an economy that is rooted in justice and dignity for all people. And that economy is a socialist economy. And, and 
what the, the giant corporations and billionaire class are really good at doing is demonizing socialism and making it seem like the boogeyman uh, when it's actually capitalism that is destroying our planet and destroying our people. Uh, and, and so the people shouldn't be afraid of socialism. They should be afraid of capitalism. Uh, and, and, and the biggest fear of the oligarchs and of the billionaire class is the people coming together and finally waking up and realizing that we are being exploited. They divide us against each other. You know, they divide brother and sister and Democrat, Republican, red versus blue. They keep us divided because while we're so busy divided and fighting each other, we can't see that they're rigging the system against us. And the last piece I'll say is, while Republicans think that, or try to say that socialism means the government does stuff, what's, it, what's ironic about it is actually it's the government, it's the US state that has fought harder against socialism in America than anyone, than any other entity, because it's the government that is actually the mechanism that, that protects capitalism and that, that, that funnels more wealth up to the giant corporations. There's a, sim, there's a, there's a relationship between uh, capital and the government, between the billionaire class and uh, both uh, capitalist political parties. Both capitalist parties are not in Washington to serve us, to serve the 99%. They're in Washington to serve the capitalist class, to serve the billionaire class. And so it's actually the government which has fought the hardest against socialism. And I can give you a few examples, none other than, than, than three of the greatest visionary uh, socialist anti-capitalist leaders in American history, MLK, Malcolm X, and Fred Hampton, who were all anti-capitalists. And when we teach, you know, when I learned about MLK in my little, in, you know, in my little school up in Seattle, Washington, they weren't teaching me that MLK was, was, was advocating for democratic socialism, you know? They just kind of like, yeah, he's fighting for justice. You know, they, they, the capitalists tend to whitewash history because they don't want people to know what socialism really means. And MLK him, himself said, he said, you know, there is something wrong with the economic system of our nation. There is something wrong with capitalism. We must move to a democratic socialism. It was uh, Malcolm X who said that, uh, who also fought against capitalism. And he also was very harsh on liberals because liberals protect this decrepit capitalist system because they're comfortable in this capitalist system. And so, you know, some of the things Malcolm X said was, you know, the, that liberals uh, are like, you know, a fox, uh, whereas the Republicans are the wolves, you know, he, you know that they're dangerous because they, they tell you they're dangerous. It's the Fox, it's the Democrats, it's the liberals who are sneaky, you know, and you can't tell if, I think his famous line is, you can't tell if they're smiling or if they're snarling at you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and he would talk about that it's, it's actually the Democratic Party which, which poses as our ally, but they actually stab us in the back. And, and then Fred Hampton, of course, who, you know, was the one who, in, who came up with the Rainbow Coalition of bringing poor and working class, white, black, and brown people together to build one coalition. And I think this is very important. Fred Hampton did not build the Rainbow Coalition with some vague uh, platform of like, just like populism. He, he organized a, a working class coalition, a multiracial working class coalition under the principles of Marxism, under socialism, under giving the working class more power. And, and so the reason I use those three examples 
is what happened to them, to, to those three revolutionaries? They were all killed. They were literally murdered. They murdered them because they were fighting for justice for black and brown people, yes, but also for uh, justice for the poor and the working class. They were trying to teach us that we have to come together. We have to build a society where every, that works for everyone. And capitalism has never worked for everyone. Right. Capitalism, like I said earlier, it's a system of exploitation. It is literally, the, it, it functions off of exploiting the labor of the working class and the poor and exploiting the natural resources of other countries and of third world countries when we start to get into imperialism, which is the highest stage of capitalism. So not only does the United States government exploit the working class and, and, and do large corporations in America exploit the working class at home, they're also exploiting uh, the working class abroad and the poor abroad and hoarding resources. And that is why we're fighting all these endless wars. We are literally fighting them for oil. We are fighting them for cheap labor. And, and so that is the kind of system we have. And what America has been really good at is not telling you the truth about our decrepit system and dressing it up really well and, and saying, well, no, the American dream, you know, this is the American dream. Everyone, if you work hard, you can get ahead. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And it has nothing to do with pulling yourself up from your bootstraps. Nobody works harder in this country than poor people, than working class people, than black and brown people, nobody. And, and, and when the black white wealth gap is as wide today as it was back in 1968, as I said earlier, that means something is fundamentally broken in our society and it is our economic system. It is capitalism and nobody wants to talk about it. They just wanna like, the Democrats will maybe give you tiny reforms without talking about the, addressing the systemic problem that is capitalism and Republicans are like, they want to go from capitalism to fascism, which is essentially the most exploitive form of capitalism where human rights and any kind of dignity just go out the window and it's all about maximizing uh, shareholder value for uh, the billionaire class. And so these are the times we find ourselves in. And I think for a lot of people, it's, it's hard because I think the American people know something's wrong, but the ruling class is great at dividing us and they're great at being like, no, it's Trump, he's the problem. And again, I am no Trump supporter. I voted for, I voted for Bernie in the 2016 primary and then I voted for Hillary in the general. Uh, and then this time around, I, I, you know, I supported Bernie in the primary and I couldn't bring myself to vote for, for Biden in the general because I knew that you know, he would just be a continuation of Trump's policies with a nicer face. Uh, and, and so I voted third party, I voted green for the first time. But we've got to get away from a politics that wants to pit us against each other and move to a politics that wants to bring the American people together. Because the 99%, we have so much more in common. Uh, and our real foe is the 1% who just want to keep making more and more money and uh, rigging the system against us. Agreed. Um, thank you for breaking that down, Ryan. I think that's very important because oftentimes we'll see on mainstream media where they will make socialism just come off as they're going to turn us into Cuba, they're going to turn us into Venezuela, which is not what someone like Bernie meant at all. To give people an idea about the, the wealth gap. So here in, in Massachusetts, Massachusetts is blue, uh, Boston is very blue, but Black people in Boston have a net worth of $8. 
white people in Boston have a net worth of 250K. That is a huge disparity. And we've been led by Democrats and we've been led by Republicans. Our governor is Republican, but nothing has really changed in terms of like that wealth gap. So you have to ask yourself, who are they really helping here? Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing, again, the Democratic Party, you know, look, the Republicans, I, the reason I spend more time criticizing Democrats in my work than Republicans, because everyone knows the Republicans are dangerous. They, they don't hide it. You know, Republicans are like, yeah, we're going to war. Yeah, we're giving tax breaks to billionaires. You know, basically, when Trump came along, you know, they used to, they used to be quieter about their racism. But when Trump came along, he gave permit permission to a lot of his supporters and to a lot of the Republican Party to just be like, yeah, we're racist. And, and they became very overtly racist. But what I would say is while the while the Re Republican Party is is pro-capitalism, pro-imperialism, pro-oligarchy, and overtly racist, the Democratic Party is pro-capitalism, uh, pro-imperialism, pro-oligarchy, and, and they are what I would say, they're covertly racist. And let me tell you what I mean by that. The Democratic Party will say over and over again, you heard Joe Biden say it, uh, you heard Hillary Clinton say it, you heard every corporate Democrat who control the Democratic Party. They will say that, that black people are the backbone of the Democratic Party. And sometimes you'll hear them switch up the talking point and they'll say black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party. Okay, great. I think that's awesome. Okay, I, there's nothing wrong with that part, but here's, the, here's where we get into problems. If black people are the backbone of the Democratic Party, then why aren't you fighting for reparations? Why aren't you fighting for policies that will close the black-white wealth gap in America? If black people are the backbone of the Democratic Party, then why are you fighting against the Black Lives Matter activists who are calling on you to defund the police and shift resources into black and brown communities. And, and it's because, what did we see after, after the, the, the big protest that was incredible, you know, after the, was the largest protest in history last year? How did the Democrats respond? They responded by a symbolic gesture. You had Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they were kneeling in the, 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 in the Capitol building with kente cloth on. Now, kneeling with kente cloth is not going to close the racial wealth cap. Kneeling with kente cloth is not going to demilitarize and defund the police and, and, and shift resources into black and brown communities. But what they do is, again, the, the Democratic Party works for capital. They work for big business, just like the Republicans do. They just dress it up a little bit better and they sedate us with the platitudes. So while they're saying they're the party of black and brown people, while they're saying the right thing, they're not backing that up with the right action and actually fighting uh, for policies that will improve the, the material conditions of black people in America. And that's what we need. Uh, in fact, Joe Biden actually, it, it not, he's not defunding the police. He's actually increasing funds to the police, doing the exact opposite. And so that is really the problem is, and, and you can even look too, uh, when we get into like the healthcare debate, the Democratic Party will say, they'll look you in the eye and they'll say, we're the party of healthcare. And, but then they turn around and are fighting against the policy. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll go on CNN and they'll say healthcare is a human right. 
And then after the interview, they'll leave and they'll fight against the very policy, Medicare for all, that will make healthcare a human right. Same thing with the climate crisis. They'll look you in the eye and they'll say, climate change is real. You know, climate, the climate crisis is an existential crisis. And then they'll turn around and not only just fight against a Green New Deal, the actual policy to do something about the climate crisis, they, Joe Biden has already approved 31 drilling permits. Uh, Joe Biden supports fracking. Uh, the, the Democratic Party uh, still provides subsidies to big oil companies and still takes money from big oil companies. You know, then you look at something like the for-profit prison industry. Again, the Democrats will say the right thing, but the reason that, that black, pe black people get disproportionately arrested for low-level offenses like marijuana uh, is because it's profitable for the for-profit prison industry. And so again, we, we don't need any more lip service from the Democratic Party. We need you to fight for the people you say you're, you care about. And so that's the difference. I feel like they, they, they care about black votes. They don't care about black lives. If they did, they would be fighting as, like hell for, for reparations and to defund the police and to give uh, and put more uh, money into the hands of black and brown people and create more opportunity, but they're not doing that. What they're doing is they're like, well, the Republicans, they're really bad, they're really racist, which sure, that is true. But the other part is, okay, if the Republicans are these neo-fascists, which you can definitely argue they are, all the Democratic Party wants to do is sit around, and especially these liberals you see on Twitter, they wanna sit around and be like, yeah, look at those neo-fascists. It's like, okay, cool, sure, they're neo-fascists. Now, do you wanna do something about it? Or do you just wanna sit in virtue signal all day and call them neo-fascists? And, and, and what we've seen is, that's all they wanna do because that's really the Democratic Party's platform. They don't support any policies that truly improve the material conditions of black and brown people, of working class people, of the poor. And so what they do is they just sit and like, look, Republicans are bad, vote for us. And I think that a lot of people get caught up into that kind of like binary thinking. And it's like, just because Republicans are bad does not mean that Democrats are good. Because the truth is actually, a, it, it, the truth is, is, is bad. Like the truth is, yeah, Republicans are bad and Democrats are bad too. And, and that gets back to, it's the system that's corrupt. You know, how can we solve these, in, these injustices that we face when it's the very system that is profiting off of these injustices, right? How are we gonna get kids out of cages at the border when, when, the, when the facilities are owned by uh, for profit, the for profit prison industry, and they're profiting off putting kids in cages. How are we going to end the racial injustice crisis uh, when the for profit prison industry is making money by locking up black and brown people, right? How can we solve the, the healthcare crisis uh, and the fact that 92 million Americans are underinsured or uninsured when the for profit insurance companies are profiting off of our? corrupt healthcare system. And they're profiting off of denying claims and off of, right? So, and, and then you look at the climate crisis. How can we solve the climate crisis when the, the big oil companies are profiting off of burning the very fossil fuels that are heating our planet and causing these catastrophes? So, so long as our decrepit capitalist system is profiting off of human suffering and profiting off of incarceration and profiting off of catastrophe and profiting off of, of exploiting the poor and the working class, we're never gonna solve these problems. We're just gonna be in the same old back and forth, you know, where our country shifts every four to eight years. We go from this kind of, you know, 
right-wing neoliberalism to this kind of far-right neo-fascism. And both of those politics are not a politics that will ever help the people or help the planet. That is a kind of politics, neoliberalism and neo-fascism that just protect our decrepit capitalist system and funnel more and more money up to the ruling class. And, and, and the last thing I'll just say is very simplistically, when the billionaires hoard the majority of the wealth in this country, in this world, they don't need any more money. Like what, people need to wake the hell up here. Why, they don't need an entire government that essentially is now, an, you know, our government and both capitalist parties in Washington, they, they, they work for Wall Street, they work for giant corporations, they work for the ruling class, they work for the very entities in society that don't need any more help. They already have everything. They already are hoarding all of our resources. And so everything in American politics is backwards, essentially. What, you know, we've been indoctrinated since the moment we're born that, you know, you're either a, a blue capitalist or a red capitalist. You know, we're literally told from the moment you're born in America, you're either a member of the blue team or the red team. And we're told that and indoctrinated that, that capitalism is the greatest system that was ever invented. And don't even think that we could have another system. This is the system. And I just like to challenge people, how in a world that, it, that with such vastness in a world with so many beautiful people and places and, and, and resources, you're telling me that the only possible system we can have is capitalism, that, that, that is a system of exploitation, that is a system that literally exploit, exploits the, the labor of the poor and the working class to enrich the ruling class, that's as good as we can do? You're telling me that in, a, in, this, in this vast world that the best we can do in the United States of America is, is either a red party or a blue party that both serve the interests of capital and the interests of the ruling class? That's the best we can do? And so the way they keep us hooked on the system is they, is they tell us that there's no other possibility. So the first thing as leftists that we have to do is give people permission to fight for something better. And that's what socialism does. That is why both capitalist parties fight against socialism so hard. Because socialism, when you read Marx, when you read Lenin, when you study MLK, when you, when you learn about Fred Hampton, uh, when you learn about Malcolm X, when you learn about the great you know, black revolutionaries uh, in, our, in our nation's history and in world history, people like Nelson Mandela, who was also a socialist and, fought, and believed in socialism. You know, you learn that like there is a better way that we don't have to live in, in a society that, ex that exploits the poor and the working class and communities of color, that, that, that it is possible to have an economy that works for everyone. Uh, and so that really, you know, they, they, they want us, you know, being obedient to the system. They don't want us to think there could ever be more than two choices when you vote every four years. They don't want us to think that we could fight for a better economic system than capitalism. They want us to be obedient. They want us to be submissive. They want us to continue uh, to, to work to enrich the handful of oligarchs that control the American economy. That is what they want. They want cooperative sheep. And, and what socialism does is it starts to wake people up. What movements do, what Bernie Sanders movement did, what the Black Lives Matter movement did last summer, it starts to wake people up. When the people start to come together, they start to see that we can stop 
all of the corruption. We can stop this entire decrepit capitalist system because we're the ones who make it go. We're the ones, we're the reason the economy functions in the first place. And we saw that in the pandemic. It's been the essential workers. It's been the grocery store clerk that's kept America running. It's been the nurses, right? It's been the, it's been the people on the front lines, not the billionaire class. We don't need them. They need us. And so that's what, what true leftism and socialism is about, is it is about uniting the people behind an agenda that is, is rooted in, in justice and dignity for all people and is not rooted in exploitation and greed and in, in the racism that capitalism and both corporate parties in Washington are rooted in. Agreed. Well said. Um, what do you think is going on in with the leftist movement right now? Because the past couple of weeks have been strange. Like you had the squad obviously didn't force the vote for Medicare for all. Um, we also saw that there were eight Democrats that voted against the $15 minimum wage, whereas I feel like if it had been the other way around, Republicans would have stayed together. And then on top of that, we had Justice Democrats pushing near a tandem. What, what is going on? It, it seems like since Biden has won, some people's masks have started to fall off. Like I'm even seeing like some progressive commentators, they're like flipping a switch. And I'm like, why are you making excuses for, for justice Democrats pushing near a tandem? Like, no, like even if our side messes up, call them out on it. What's happening is people like you uh, who are fighting for justice and dignity and staying true to your principles, uh, you're just still fighting for the same thing you were fighting for back in the primary, right? What, what happened with a lot of people in, in the Justice Democrats and, uh, and the squad and progressives in Congress is after Joe Biden got elected, you know, sure, if you voted for Joe Biden, fine. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't bring myself, I, you know, I will never vote for any, you know, they, they, they call the Democratic Party the lesser of two evils. Uh, I actually think that's bogus now. I think that there is no lesser of two evils. I think that the entire system is evil and corrupt to its core. And the Democratic Party, I mean, it, so even if you can say that they are the lesser evil, for the last half century, any party that forces its voters to settle for a lesser evil for 50 years uh, is a problem, right? The people deserve a lot better than that. We don't deserve, we deserve, we don't have to settle for any evil. We deserve a party that is going to put uh, the, the people and the planet uh, over the, the profits of a handful of billionaires and oligarchs. You know, we deserve a, a, a political party that is going to put uh, basic human needs over endless corporate greed. I mean, this is just basic stuff. And so what happened was, is while people like you and, and thank you, I, what you're doing, it, you might not realize this, is courageous. You are standing by your principles and you're fighting for your values. And what we saw was after Joe Biden was elected, you know, he, which Joe Biden, let's be clear again, Joe Biden is not the left. Nancy Pelosi is not the left. The Democratic Party is not the left. You know, when, when the Republicans try to demonize the Democratic Party as socialism, I just get the biggest laugh out of it because not only is the Democratic Party not a socialist party, the Democratic Party is not even a progressive party. 
The Democratic Party is a right-wing capitalist and imperialist party. And the Republican Party is a far-right capitalist and imperialist party. So we essentially have two right-wing parties in America. That is the problem. That is why the, the wealthy just keep getting richer and richer and the poor and the working class keep getting poorer and poorer. We've got two parties that represent the ruling class and we don't have a single part, major party in Washington that represents the poor and the working class. Uh, and so again, that is the problem. We don't have a left party. And so when Joe Biden was elected, right? Here we are, another president gets elected. Another right-wing capitalist imperialist president gets elected. That was the moment for every progressive. That was the moment for AOC and Ilhan and all of the squad and um, Bernie Sanders and the Justice Democrats and DSA. That was the moment for them to move left, to push Joe Biden, to, to start to fight for strong social reforms, to fight for uh, a $15 uh, minimum wage, to fight for a Medicare for all, to fight for a Green New Deal, to fight for reparations, to fight for uh, you know, a new economic bill of rights. Like we're in a moment in history where just like FDR pulled us out of the, that great depression, we need, that's the kind of, we need, and, and I would, in, in many ways I'd argue that what FDR did was just put another bandaid onto capitalism, essentially. And, and as we've seen is, is the billionaires and the giant corporations since the new deal have just deteriorated all the, all the benefits of the new deal that went to many poor and working class families. But what I, what should have happened now is after Joe Biden was elected, that was the moment for progressives to move left and to challenge Joe, Joe Biden and to demand better from Joe Biden. And what ended up happening is they didn't move left to challenge Joe Biden. They actually moved toward the center. And, and, and when you see politicians moving toward the center, let me tell you what happens in the center in America. Let me tell you what happens, because remember, we, we, we're not operating on a political spectrum where we've got a right party and a left party. If we had a, a right-wing capitalist party and a left-wing socialist party, we would live in what's called a social democracy, where we'd have a party that fought for capitalism and fought for the billionaire class, and we'd have a party that fought for the working class and the poor and communities of color and strong socialist policies. But that's not what we are. We have these two right-wing parties, which is why we live in a, you know, a capitalist oligarchic empire. Uh, and so what, that's the problem. They, instead of moving to the left to challenge Biden and to demand better from Biden, they move to the center. And let me tell you what happens in the center. That is where justice and dignity go to die. That is where progressivism goes to die because the political center in America is captured by corporate power and by the billionaire class. So as soon as you see politicians shifting to the, toward the right, toward the center, it, it, it means they're not fighting for the policies we need to improve the conditions of the poor and the working class. And so what we've seen is now is just look at this latest, the American Rescue Plan. And this is a good example of everything we've talked about today. Right now, you if you turn on corporate media, if you turn on CNN or MSNBC, you will hear these, these corporate pundits, and you'll hear Democrats selling this plan as if it's like the New Deal, when in reality, it was less, we got less than the bare minimum and more broken promises from Democrats. Joe Biden and the Democrats promised $2,000 and they promised a $15 minimum wage. What did they deliver in the package? They delivered $1,400 and no 
$15 minimum wage. So again, this is what the society, this is what this decrepit system does. It gets people to settle for crumbs. And this legislation should have been way bolder than it was. And it would have been bolder if the progressives would have gone to the mat for the working class, just like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and every corporate politician and the entire Republican party, they go to the mat for the billionaire class, for the giant corporations, for the, for the, in, for the class interests that they represent. We need progressive politicians, politicians that call themselves socialist. We need them to go to the mat for the working class, for the poor, for communities of color, for you know, uh, marginalized communities. But that's not what's happening. And so because of that, and again, yes, you know, do I identify more with AOC than Pelosi and Biden? Yes, but you're not going, if you're going to call yourself a progressive and a socialist, you can't just call out the corruption in the Republican party. That's the easy part. You have to also call out the corruption in the Democratic party. And last year, the Democratic Party took more money from Wall Street. They took $74 million, Joe Biden did, from Wall Street than Donald Trump did. That's just to give you an idea of how captured even the Democratic Party, which says it serves the people, when it really actually serves, serves the billionaire class and the giant corporations. And so we are so far away from any kind of politics that will truly deliver justice for the people. And the more people settle, the more people go, oh, this is great, great job, Democrats. You know, this is awesome. The more we do that, the more we continue to this march, this rightward march. And, you know, the last thing I'll say on this topic is this kind of neoliberal corporate extremism that the Democratic Party supports, that actually emboldens and enables this kind of neo-fascism that the right supports. And let me tell you what I mean, what I mean by that, because while the Republicans keep marching further and further to the right, the Democrats aren't marching further and further to the left. If you're marching to the left, that means you're supporting Medicare for all. That means you're supporting socialist policies. The Democrats are fighting against those socialist policies. They're actually shifting to the right as well. And the reason is, is because they work for the same corporations that the Republicans work for. And so because we have a really weak left in America, and the reason the weak is left is because we keep funneling progressive and socialist movements into a right-wing capitalist Democratic Party that co-ops and destroys them. So they essentially, the Democratic Party stops any movement to the left. You know, think about all the money and time and resources that activists and organizations put into Bernie Sanders' two presidential campaigns. And what did, what did we get, what did we end up getting from that? You know, Bernie got no major concessions from Joe Biden. We didn't get Medicare for all. We didn't get a Green New Deal. Joe Biden is actually now walking back from the more moderate option uh, of a public, the, the public option, which it's like, we need Medicare for all right now. We need everyone in this country to have guaranteed health care, And we can't even get Joe Biden to support a public option. And so we essentially, it's like we can't keep funneling and spending all this, this time and energy and putting it towards a, a party that is owned by Wall Street that can't actually be moved left. And we're seeing that right now when the Democrats are fighting against Medicare for all, when they're not fighting for reparations, 
when they're not delivering on their promise of $2,000 checks, when they're not fighting for the $15 minimum wage, you know, and they're, they're basically saying, oh, well, you get $1,400 and this is the greatest piece of legislation we've seen in America in, in, in decades. You know, they're giving a sales pitch. The same thing they do, you know, when the Democrats campaign, they market themselves as if they're the party of the working class. They market themselves as if they, if, as if black people are the backbone of the Democratic Party. And then we give them power and they turn around and sell out the very voters who gave them power. And we're seeing that happen again right here. And so as, as long as the, as the left remains weak, what ends up happening is, is, is the right's gonna bounce back stronger. You know, as long as the Democratic Party embraces this corporatism and, and, and fights against uh, any uh, true leftism and socialism, that's just going to continue this rightward shift. And they're going to embolden another neo-fascist to rise in the Republican Party in 2024. And so until we can get a real shift to, to the left and, and, and a real shift uh, in this country to policies that lift up the poor and the working class and communities of color, we are just going to continue uh, to be basically giving more power to the right and emboldening the right. The only way to stop fascism is with socialism. It's not with a watered down version of fascism. It's not with this kind of neoliberalism liberalism that just gives more power to, to corporations and billionaires and then throws out little scraps to everyone else and says, you better take this and be happy with it. That's not going to work anymore. And so We've got to stop settling for less. We've got to stop kowtowing to the Democratic Party. I feel like in many ways, it's an abusive relationship that we've been in with the Democratic Party. And I was a Democrat for 18 years before finally last summer, I left the Democratic Party. And I've focused my energy and my platform and my podcast and my activism on helping other organizations like the Movement for a People's Party or the Green Party uh, or Socialist Alternative uh, or PSL, the Party of Socialism and Liberation, uh, real parties and organizations that are trying to build power for the poor work and working class uh, outside of this corrupt two-party system. Because that to me is the only chance we're gonna have. If we just keep being subservient to, to the duopoly and keep settling for less and, uh, and keep just blindly obeying a democratic party that is actually fighting against the social progress we need, uh, then we're just going to be handing, essentially handing more power to the right. And me and you will be having this conversation in four years. And another, you know, fascist will be rising in the Republican Party, and it will be the Democratic Party who enabled it and emboldened it because they couldn't actually fight for real justice. You know, if the Democratic Party would actually fight for the poor and the working class, it would give these working class voters who maybe in the past voted Republican. As soon as you give them Medicare fraud, there's going to be no reason for them to go and, and vote for that anymore, right? As soon as, you, as soon as you really treat the material conditions of the people and you lift up black and brown people, there, there's, you know, and actually, this is actually dangerous. Even though Joe Biden won, we saw Donald Trump get more votes from Latinos, from black people than, than a Republican has gotten in decades. Obviously, Joe Biden do still dominated that stat, but Trump got more 
votes than a Republican normally gets with communities of color. And the reason he did is because people are tired of a Democratic Party that just gives them false promises and empty platitudes. The people want policies that will improve their lives. You know, the people are struggling. They want health care. They want reparations. They want, act they want to live in a, a community that they're not worried about their son or daughter getting gunned down by the police, you know, and that's not asking a lot. Uh, but that's not, justice is never going to happen if we allow the Democratic Party to just give us the bare minimum and, and not hold them accountable. So these slogans like vote blue no matter who and, you know, you know, it, it, they just give, the, you're just giving the DNC more power. You're just giving cor the, cor the corporations that own the Democratic Party more power. You know, we've got to, you can, we've got to fight back against both parties and, you, and be clear about, yes, the Republican Party is corrupt, but so is the Democratic Party. And we need a true leftist movement, a true socialist movement that is going to unite, you know, black, brown, and white people who want to live in a nation where everybody, uh, has dignity and justice and uh, equality. And we are so far from that right now, unfortunately. Agreed, well said, Brian. I hope everyone listening paid close attention to that because come 2024, I'll come right back to the same video and just be like, we kind of told you, or Ryan pretty much told you. Um, Ryan, I do have one more question for you. I got to get this one in. So this one came from my husband, but he told me I got to ask you this. So this is really cool. Uh, so some people argue that Bernie is not a true democratic socialist because he's proposing larger social programs in a market-led economy instead of public ownership of means of production. What's, what's your opinion on that? So, and this is a great question. Uh, there, so... Bernie is what you would call a social democrat or uh, a democratic socialist. Now, there, there's a difference. The DSA, which is, is the largest socialist organization in America right now, they, they are democratic socialists, where they, they're actually not there. Some, some people in DSA are fighting for what is actually socialism, which is public ownership, like you just alluded to, of the, uh, of the means of production. Uh, that is what socialism means. Socialism is where it is an economy where the people uh, own the means of production, they control the resources, uh, where labor's not exploited. And uh, what Bernie is, is he's not that. Bernie is not an actual true socialist in that sense. Bernie is, you could say, a democratic socialist, or he's really fighting for social democracy, which is that, you know, we have way too much capitalism, capitalism in America, we need to balance it out with some strong social programs like Medicare for all, a Green New Deal, universal basic income, uh, reparations, uh, you know, all those strong uh, um, free college, uh, student debt cancellation, uh, a $15 minimum wage. I would argue that we need a $24 uh, an hour uh, minimum wage because that's actually a living wage. If you actually look to see based on uh, inflation, and uh, the increase in uh, productivity from the working class, a true living wage in America in 2021 is not $15 an hour. It is actually $24 an hour. This is another way the decrepit capitalist system gets people to continually. Do you notice it's never the billionaire class 
who is hoarding the majority of the wealth in our, in our country and in the world. It's never them who has to make a sacrifice. It's always us. It's always the poor. It's always the working class. It's always the people who make the engine run, who, who are being exploited to enrich the billionaire class. It's always, it's, it's always them who has to make concessions. So by just fighting for just $15, we're actually, it's, it's a concession because it should be $24 an hour. But that is what Bernie's fighting for. He's fighting for strong social programs. That is what most of DSA is fighting for. That is what AOC is fighting for. They aren't true socialists. Um, there are people in DSA who uh, look at it from a Marxist perspective, which is, you know, uh, from a class perspective uh, and from a perspective of, you know, that the only way to, to truly liberate the, the poor and the working class and communities of color uh, is to replace capitalism uh, with socialism and with the people uh, owning the means of production. Uh, there's a few people, there, there, some people in DSA want that, but overall the DSA is their national election strategy uh, is to funnel uh, what they call democratic socialists into a right-wing capitalist democratic party. So there's many people, including myself, who are now arguing and, and raising the question, is that the best use of our time, right? Should we continue to build these movements and, and, and spend all this time and energy and resources to try to move a, a capitalist party that's owned by Wall Street to the left? And, and why that's a, just a very fundamental question is, people will say, well, look, the, the, the Democratic Socialists now just took over the state party in Nevada. That's a great thing. I, I, I'm, I know some of the people that are involved in that, and I'm going to be happy about that. But taking over one state party is not taking over the DNC, is not taking over the actual Democratic Party that, is, that just last year voted, the DNC voted against banning uh, corporate PAC money and, ban and voted against banning corporate lobbyists, the very things that have, have really corrupted our democracy, that have corrupted our, our government. Uh, we can't call America a democracy. We don't live in a democracy. We live in an oligarchy. Uh, and so while we have elections, uh, the people don't win the elections. Uh, the big business and the oligarchs win the elections because they own both parties. So uh, what I would argue is that Democrat, I support strong social uh, reforms like I listed off because the those will give reprieve to people who need it right away. I mean, I'm one of everyone who calls himself a leftist, first of all, should be fighting for Medicare for all, a Green New Deal and reparations. Those three policies. When you look at the black white wealth gap in America, there it's as high as it was back in 1968. When you list that stat for me that the, the, the wealth in Boston for a white family is, is $200,000 and a black family is $8. I mean, come on people, this is unacceptable. We especially, you know, I want to challenge, you know, white socialists and white leftists. We have to fight for reparations just as hard as we're fighting for Medicare for all. And so while we need, the, I will, I, I fight for those strong social programs, but I'm also not under any illusion. Like, let's be clear, even after we pass reparations, even after we pass a Green New Deal and Medicare for all and, and um, cancel student debt and have a $20 uh, an hour or $24 an hour living wage, even with all those strong social reforms, we will still be operating under a, a decrepit capitalist system 
that is rigged against the poor and the working class and for the billionaire class. So while, while, while strong social reforms, like we had all the way back in the New Deal, if we could have the, those reforms, that would be fantastic. That will, that will kind of give some reprieve to people, but it will not stop capitalism from doing what it's doing. And we will just keep staying in these cycles again. And, and as hard as those fights will be, we will be right back having those fights again after the billionaire class just continues to rig it. Because at its core, capitalism is, is, has never worked for everyone. It is a system of exploitation. So you can put the best reforms on it, at the end of the day, the greed's gonna win. And so that's kind of what Bernie's fighting for. I fight for those policies too, but what many socialists are waking up to is it's not enough to just be democratic socialists or social Democrats. We actually have to fight for socialism. We have to fight for uh, a, the people owning the means of production. And, and I think one of the things that's interesting is it's like right now, you don't, we're, we should be making, you know, if we fight for social democracy right now for the last century, progressives in America since FDR, we they've been fighting for social democracy. And guess what? We don't live in a social democracy. <laughs> we live in a, uh, you know, in an oligarchic capitalist empire. And so with two right-wing parties. And so for the last hundred years, we've been fighting for social democracy. We're still not even living in a social democracy like they have in Europe. I would argue that Europe's economies are much more blended, much more of a social democracy. But in my head, it's like, you're fighting for social democracy. We need to be fighting for full-on workers own the means of production socialism, start to get some real power, scare the capitalists to bejesus, and then they'll start to negotiate with us and you, and you end up in a better place. And I would argue if we fight passionately for socialism, we'll probably end up a lot sooner at a social democracy because we'll come from a position of power rather than fighting, you know, we're already kind of compromising if you're just fighting for social democracy, right? You're already at making a smaller ask. Mm -hmm. and, and right now with, with just the massive levels of wealth inequality, there's something called the Gini coefficient and it measures the, the level of inequality in, uh, throughout human history. And you can go look at this. We right now live in the society with the highest levels of wealth inequality in human history. And the United States is the worst. We have the highest levels of wealth inequality where someone like a, a Jeff Bezos has $200 billion and a black family in uh, Massachusetts where you are is worth $8. How, how, could you, how can you accept a society, a government, uh, an economic system where one person has $200 billion and one family has $8. How can you accept that? We're so far from anything that's, that's compassionate and just. And I think that we have to stop, we have to stop sugarcoating it. We have, because when we sugarcoat it, you know, like when we don't list the statistics like you did, when we don't talk about where the black white wealth gap is, when we don't talk about the, the massive levels of inequality that we live in the society with the highest levels of wealth inequality in human history, we're just giving the capitalists more power. We're just giving the ruling class more power. We're giving them permission to exploit us. And so it's time for us to be bold, to be courageous, to fight for socialism. To, and, and, and the last thing I'll say is, what Bernie did and what we need to keep building on is, and what is what Fred Hampton did. We have to come together, black, white, brown, you know, and build that kind of coalition uh, 
rooted in socialism, but that says that we all want to live in a, in a, in a just and dignified society. And, and, and so I'm grateful that you had me on your podcast. I'm sorry if sometimes I get so passionate that I, <laughs> I, I lose focus a little bit and it's kind of near the end of the day, but you know, I want to thank you for the work you're doing uh, and, and for your show. And I think it, it just, I think that if people have, we have, we're so much more powerful than we realize, you know, we, when we come together, when we, when we stop compromising our values uh, and settle for crumbs, when we stop backing down to a corrupt party that, that gives us nothing in return, you know, when, when we stand up and we fight back and we rise together, we can, you know, that's the greatest movements in history from, from the women's suffrage movement, uh, from when women won the right to vote to the civil rights movement, um, to the gay rights movement, that all required co coalition building, that all required people rising up together. And, and what I would say now though, is we're in a moment where we've got to bring all those forces together. And, and it's not, we have to fight, you know, there's some people who get caught in, they're like, well, is it, is it, is it, you know, is it capitalism or is it racism? Is it, is the analysis race-based or class-based? It's both. You know, we've, we've got to fight for economic justice and racial justice. They're intertwined. And we have to stop, like, just look and see. When you look at the black-white wealth gap, while capitalism is exploiting all poor and working-class people, it's disproportionately exploiting black and brown poor and working-class people, which is why the wealth gap is so high. And so we have to fight for, we have to come together on the principles of both. That, yes, we, that, you know, and we don't, and we shouldn't have to choose. Why should we choose between racial justice and economic justice when we need both? And so we need to build coalitions where, where it's under a socialist uh, perspective and that we're fighting for the poor and the working class and communities of color uh, to liberate them from this exploitive system that we live under. And, you know, if, it, and, and that takes courage and strength and, and solidarity. And if we can do that, I think we'll start to see a real shift in our society to the left. Or we can just continue to blindly vote for these two corrupt parties and, you know, vote, you know, continue to, you know, look the other way when the Democratic Party stabs us in the back. And, you know, and, and if we do that, I would just challenge people that like, we'll be, in, it'll be the year 2040. And the Democrats are going to be telling us that they, we have to vote blue no matter who in the most important election in history. You know, like that's going to be their tagline every time. They're going to tell us that we have to settle for the lesser of two evils. And uh, when the entire system is evil, when children are, are in cages you know, under a Republican president and under a Democratic president, when racial injustice is happening under a Democratic president and a Republican president, when the climate crisis is bearing down upon us under a Democratic president and uh, a Republican president, and when, when income inequality keeps getting uh, worse and worse under both Democratic and Republican presidents, that means the problem is not Democrats or Republicans. It means it's Democrats and Republicans. It means the problem is our entire decrepit capitalist system. And that's what we have to focus on. And that's why socialism is a, is a, is is a direct threat and challenge to capitalism because it shows us that there is a better way, that we can have an economy that works for everyone and we can put resources and redistribute wealth directly into the hands of the people. And that's what I'm gonna keep fighting for. 
Awesome, Ryan. Um, everyone, I'll be sure to put the link to Ryan's podcast in the description below. Ryan, thanks so much. Very educational, very informative. Thank you so much for having me and keep up the great work. Thanks for listening. You can watch the video of this podcast at Sabby Sab's channel on YouTube.